Good morning, everybody. It is a pleasure and an honor, as always, to be here with you guys today. It is Saturday morning. It is my favorite morning of the week. Why? Well, because of the smell of coffee. Definitely getting my cup of creativity uh, going on right here. A lot of extra caffeine. And most importantly, more than anything, we have amazing guests that are here with amazing stories that they get to share with each and every single one of you every Saturday morning in hopes of inspiring you, just sparking that, you know, just excitement for education, for creativity, and just seeing things from a different lens and different perspective. So I am excited today because this show has definitely been one that at least I've been trying to do, but of course we know the type of year that we've kind of had, but I'm excited to have our special guest here today who is a teacher, she is an author, she is, um, you know, just, you know, a mom. She is just everything that you can be. And many will definitely relate to that today. And so I'm excited to have Valerie Dusa on the show today. Valerie, how are you doing this morning? Good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Excellent. Well, I'm just so excited. Like I said, you and I have a mutual friend. Jen, uh, you know, Jen Lieben, she's been on the show before. And during that time when she was on the show, she was telling me that she was working on the, well, actually, she, I think the book was already done and she had done the illustrations for your book, Coding to Kindness, which we will talk about a little later. But I'm just, uh, again, really thrilled to have you and been able to connect through my great friend, Jen, who's very talented. So big shout out to Jen, if you're watching or listening. Thank you so much for everything you do, Jen. Valerie, so let's go ahead and just uh, give a brief introduction to our audience members, our viewers that are live, our listeners that will be uh, viewing this later. You know, give us a little brief introduction, a little what is your context in education, and if you don't mind, just adding one special little thing that some people may not know about you. Sure. Um, so I am a kindergarten teacher. I've been teaching for over a decade I've lost count. I think 12, maybe 13 years. Um, previously, I taught a little bit of preschool, and um, I got my master's degree at Westfield State um, University now. And I live in the western part of Massachusetts in a town called East Long Meadow, Massachusetts. Um, it's a wonderful small town. I work at an amazing school with colleagues and administration that's so great. Um, and I have three children of my own. Um, so I'm immersed in early childhood and elementary ed all day, every day. Um, and I have, I just love teaching. I also love technology. So um, I've stepped into a few roles over the years as um, a site tech for my school. Um, I've also been an innovation team leader where we use a lot of technology, not necessarily all technology because innovation doesn't mean specifically technology, but um, makerspace, um, I created makerspace carts with um, other colleagues at our school, um, and innovation team just brought in a lot of different ideas to help enhance the curriculum that we already have in unique and creative ways. So I've played many different roles at my school on top of being a kindergarten teacher, but um, my passion has always been in kindergarten. Um, they are so cool to watch <laughs> throughout the year. They come in as little babies and um, they leave reading and writing and so social and just so much growth happens in kindergarten. So that's really where my passion lies is um, 
watching these kids grow over the year and really do such a great job. It's just the stepping stone into the rest of their educational path. So it's pretty cool to be a part of that. Oh, no. And it is so important. And, you know, being in education for 16 years now, 11 years in the classroom, you know, I, I, I did, there was a transition from high school to elementary, but I pretty much just stuck to fourth, um, excuse me, fifth and sixth grade, fifth and sixth grade. But wow, when I would walk by the kinder classrooms and so on, I'm like, man, it really takes a special teacher to be able to, to, you know, work with uh, the littles, but it, there was so much fun. I would see the little littles, they'd come in, you'd come in and just visit and they'd be like, I know the number three and mm -hmm. so on. And I was like, oh, that's so, so cute. So that is amazing. That's wonderful. And wow, you do wear a lot of hats and you've had a lot of experience. So that is great. And we'll talk a little bit about that. I want to give a shout out and a buenos dias to Josh Tovar, who was also a previous guest. He's joining us from Anytime Fitness. He's getting, uh, he's a fit leader. They, you know, getting his exercise on. So Josh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. So Valerie, you know, let's talk about, talking about going into education. I'm always curious and I love to ask all my guests, usually they're educators, creators, I always want to find or ask, what is the root? Like what sparked that interest in education in the first place? Um, it started, well, I got my undergrad degree in psychology. So I definitely knew I wanted to do something um, in the psychology or like sociology field, something with people and connecting and connecting the mind. And then I started to think, well, education might be a really good route for me, but I had never had any experience. So then I found this amazing school in Amherst, Massachusetts, um, where they were willing to take me in as sort of just like hard to get a job when you have absolutely zero experience in education, but you got to start somewhere. So I started there and I just loved connecting with these pre preschoolers and um, working there. So then I decided this is what I want to do. And I went and I got my master's. Um, so I didn't wait to get into education and that get my master's. I did it sort of before um, because I knew that I really wanted to get into education. I didn't know that I'd land in kindergarten quite yet, but I had the preschool experience and I knew it would be in the early childhood side. So I did that and I got some experience through um, student teaching. And then I um, halfway through the year graduated and then I landed a permanent sub position, which was really cool because then I got to go in different classrooms and experience and see at many different grade levels. Um, and then the following year, I was hired full-time as a kindergarten teacher, um, which was what I wanted. Uh, I definitely, after being in all the classrooms, I was like, kindergarten's my, my jam. So I stayed there, and I have not left kindergarten since. I did leave districts, um, only because I was working in another district that was a little further away, and for family life balance and <laughs> everything like that. Once I started, really, I have three children, so... It's just a lot. Um, I'm actually in the district that I live in. So it's wonderful because I get to bring um, my personal kids to school and it makes my life a little easier balancing the mom work life. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, I, I wanted to touch on that experience that you said as far as being, <laughs> uh, getting that substitute experience. I had a guest a couple of shows back, uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Hauseman, and he mentioned that he kind of started as a, a substitute also as well to gain that experience. So he was able to jump into various classrooms and kind of find 
his jam, like you'd say, and, you know, he very well landed in education. So I guess, you know, it seems like, you know, substituting, if you are ever interested or maybe thinking about going into education or teaching, I think substitute's a really great idea. Like you said, you know, you're able to kind of jump and see different classrooms and see what might be the best fit for you. So that's wonderful. I really like that you mentioned that. And it's also a great idea because we are in major needs of subs around the the nation right now. So if you're thinking about subbing, go ahead and do it. <laughs> Excellent. Now, before I I know you talked about you know you you wanting to go into education, being in the classroom, and I guess you got that substitute experience and so on. But I always like to ask, you know, what was something you wish you knew before? you went into education or, you know, maybe as soon as you, you, like I'm a full-time, you know, kinder teacher now, what is the one thing, two things that you wish you knew before you started? Um, I think honestly, the first couple of years, just how hard it would be, um, how much time goes into it. Um, I would be working until bedtime every night at the beginning. And it was just a lot because you go from you're creating a little home and you're creating all this new curriculum and all these things. And you want to just, I continually sort of, you know, I was my own worst enemy at times where I was thought I wasn't doing enough, but in reality I was. So that's an experience you learn over the years, I think. But the first few years, I just didn't, I don't think I truly realized like when to clock out and to, um, that there would be so much time and effort and everything put into it. But um, it does pay off and you start to, I feel like by year three, you start to get your flow. And um, of course, I'm still putting, changing every year and putting in different efforts in different places, but it feels a lot different than what it did the first three years because you're just completely starting from scratch. Whereas I've made my foundation and I just now build upon that foundation, whereas before it was like nothing. <laughs> oh. so, so it's just a lot. Like, I just think it took me back a little bit at the beginning, but I think I feel really good and confident about where I am today. Yeah. And that, you know, that, that, uh, resonates with me too. Like, you know, going from industry and then going into education, I definitely remember that, you know, the, the planning and prep, because this is all new. You're learning things, you're learning, you know, what a standard is. You're learning how to break down a standard. You're learning how you know, just your pedagogy and everything. So there were a lot of late nights for prep. But as you said, you know, as you went from year to year, it definitely got, it's okay. Hey, don't worry about it. Hey, this is a, it's a, it's a live show about life and life experiences. So don't even worry about it. It's all good. Um, so like you were talking about, you know, I think that's something that is important. And oftentimes, you know, it may seem like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm doing a lot of work. But the way I saw it is like, man, this is my return on investment and your return on investment, like you mentioned, is you laid out a solid foundation for yourself that when you had to make some changes, you didn't have to go back and reinvent the wheel. You just kept building on that solid foundation. And then, like you said, you you put in some more efforts into these areas, a little bit more here because everything is fine there and so on. And I think that's something that's very important and to see that through that lens that Yes, it's going to be overwhelming at first, but it does get easier. And then, like you said, you really get your flow that you're able to improvise, adapt, and overcome on the spot. And then after th year three on, 
it's just really on rails and and you're going you're doing well and just making those adjustments so that's great that's great now as far as you know also i'd like to ask you know as new educators coming in you know we often make some mistakes you know little things here and there what are some memorable mistakes that you you know can go back on and say man you know i know i i made that mistake there but i overcame that and i learned this from it um i think it, i don't necessarily know it was a mistake but more of a learning experience of just yeah. like um classroom management at the beginning it's just hard when you don't know what it's going to be like and then you're just thrown into it um so little things like don't sweat the small stuff um and just kind of finding my groove with classroom management and um i think it was a little, I, I focused a lot on that. And I, I, I focused less on connections at the beginning on my first couple of years. Cause I think part of it was, I was just a little like overwhelmed by everything and trying to piece together everything that I lost sight of like the most important part, but I didn't really know that I, that was the most important part yet. And not that I didn't make connections with my students. I certainly did, but I feel like now I have classroom management down. I have the organization of my classroom and I want it to look like down that now I have more time to connect with students and to really, you know, delve into more just connecting and, and creating this awesome environment that I was just trying to create like a very classroom management styled environment before, but now I'm creating more of a family styled environment. Um, I think that that's just changed over the years. And, um, I look back on my first couple of years and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, not that I, you know, you just always have those moments of looking back on things, but I was doing my best and I think everyone um, does. And I think still to this day, I'm making mistakes as a teacher, but the biggest thing is I'm learning from it. And I think transparency with your students is one of the best things you can do in a classroom is I'm making mistakes, but I own up to it. And I explain to the kids if I make a mistake and, and that's a part of life. We're all, we're all human. So. Yeah, no. And I really love that. Like you said, and, you know, building community and building that family is just so important. And like Josh, uh, you know, and Josh always, you know, comments with this and it, and it's so true. It, it's relevant to every classroom. It's the connections before content. And that is so important. And so tell me a little bit as far as, well, I know the way that I would, build community and so you know with fifth and sixth graders which i thought was a little bit easier because they're you know a little bit more grown up and things of that sort but how do you establish that little classroom culture where you know it's a safe space that family um you know can you give us some examples of some things that you do to make those connections especially with kinder because i'm i'm very curious too <laughs> yeah i mean they all want to be friends. They all want to get to know each other and know me. So it's not a hard thing in kindergarten. Um, they're really eager and excited to learn and like grow with each other and make new friends. So um, I do a lot of all about me projects at the beginning of the year, learning about our names, like very important. We learn our names the first couple of weeks. Um, and one of the coolest things that I do in the classroom, which I feel like is sort of a lost art sometimes, um, is sharing, just simple sharing. So a, the student comes in with their object or just a picture or just a memory and shares in front of the class. And the first 
like week or so. So we're about a month in of school. The first week, the kids were like, you know, asking me to say it for them. They were all nervous and they didn't want to speak up. And I had them sit at their desks. But now week four, they're up in front of the class. They're using their own voice. And they say like, this is my whatever. And um, I got it here. And they give the, um, the, at the end, they say, I'm ready for questions and comments. And they got it. Like they have that routine and then they pick two friends. And so Another important thing is I'm teaching them also. It's not like if you shared about soccer that you should talk about your pet unicorn, that you know, doll that you have. It should connect. So making those connections and really showing that you're listening to someone else. There's just so many powerful lessons that are intertwined into something as simple as just taking, you know, 10 minutes out of your morning to share. Um, so I do a lot of things like that where we're, we're just listening and learning about each other. Um, and I try and embed it as much as possible into the curriculum that we already have. Um, so it's not, you know, social emotional skills and getting to know each other and building community is not a separate entity. It's should sort of just like flows in and out throughout the day. Um, so I try and look at every le lesson that I do, um, every piece of curriculum that I have and, and try and build upon that to make it something more with, um, a community stance, especially at the beginning of the year. Yeah, no, and I think that, I mean, you're so spot on. And I think that that's something that is so important that at least in my experience, uh, that was the main thing at the very beginning. You know, I know we have our curriculum that we need to do and we got to hit certain things. But usually it was like the first week was just, hey, I just want to get to know my students. I want them to know each other, building those relationships, building that community, uh, because that the, again, I always say that return on investment, the return on investment, the remainder of the year was incredible in the sense that I had, you know, established trust. The students knew expectations. They knew the expectations that they had for one another. There was accountability and my discipline issues were pretty much null and void in the sense that I didn't really have any. And, you know, oftentimes there were teachers that would say, hey, you know, this so-and-so student in my class, I was like, I don't have any issues in my class. You know, everything is fine. And it's because you're this, you're establishing that rapport. And, you know, like Josh Tovar says too, it's like, you can't fake the funk. I mean, kids, they'll, they'll see if you're being genuine or not. And the most important thing, one of the things that you mentioned that it's okay to share and make mistakes, you're helping them grow you're building that those human skills, that soft skills, and showing that it's okay to be vulnerable and learn from them too as well. And I think that that's so important to establish at the very beginning to help you the remainder of the year and, you know, really have a great community. So thank you for sharing that. That is wonderful. I really love those exercises and just seeing the kids continue to grow, you know, from not wanting to speak to you know, working on presentational skills. And like you said, all of this ties in to, and it's embedded within the curriculum, all those skills. So that's wonderful. I love it. Well, and I'm sorry again about my dog. We have a no. worker that just showed up. So he's just, hey, hey, I'm not ignoring him. I no, <laughs> no, don't even worry about oh, it. You don't, boy. don't, don't. It's all good. Listen, don't worry. I've got some other stuff that I like, I can run the, the audio through. It'll just minimize all of that. Valerie, you're okay. All right. <laughs> Don't even worry, my friends. You know, everybody yeah. knows this show is like, hey, 
we're just having a casual conversation and it's just really me wanting to go straight to the source to continue learning and of course my guests to continue to learn and get inspired by the guests that are here and so today i'm definitely getting inspired um so valerie talk to us a little bit now about the idea of your book where did the the notion of hey i want to write a book about this tell me the process like what were the thoughts and then you said the very moment when you're like hey I can write a book about this, which is coding to kindness. Tell us the story. I'm very curious about this. Yeah. So I, I had mentioned before how I worked in another district and then I switched over to a new district. And, um, I think when you make a change like that, you're just, it's sort of like starting fresh again. And, um, I had read and seen a lot of blogs about coding in early childhood, but I had never done it. I had never been taught anything about it. I'd had no PD on it. I had no experience whatsoever. Um, so I really had no right teaching it, <laughs> to be honest. But um, I think, so I just was very intrigued and I just started with like reading things and articles and seeing other teachers do it. And, um, and then I went from that to okay, let me try it out. So I did Donors Choose and I tried out five games that I had ordered. They were non-tech games. Um, I just wanted to start the process with that and then go from, oh, oh I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, don't worry. All right, guys. Hey, guys, it's all great. This is a live show and this is, it's it's true. It's real life. We all go in, we all go through some of these things. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening and watching. Uh, and again, Valerie just took a slight little pause, you know, as with live shows, things happen. But she's in the middle of telling us her story about coding to kindness. So I'm so, so excited about that. So thank you guys for joining us. Valerie. I'm so sorry. No, we're having um, stuff done on our house and I wasn't expecting him to come today. So he's okay. like, anyone home? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I started out with the five um, games, the non-tech games from Donors Choose, and then I just dove into it. I was just, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I told the kids I didn't know what I was doing, and we kind of all learned together because they had no idea either. Um, so it was sort of a blank slate for all of us, and I was like, it's okay. Like, if I find out a week from now that I might have been doing this wrong or we might have been, we'll just figure it out. So we started doing it um, and practicing um, different coding skills. Basically, it's more like spatially, um, directionality, um, those sort of things. And so we did that, and it was so cool because the kids um, – oh, my gosh, my dog. Um, the kids uh, loved to connect with each other. So it made a lot of connections with the students, and they were, like, very quickly – catching on to it all, but I just saw so many other powerful things happening. I was looking at it from like a coding, okay, we're going to build the non-tech and then we're going to go to the tech and they're going to learn like a little bit of math with directionality and, and spatial reasoning. And I didn't look at it from like the social emotional standpoint and, and all the skills that they can learn from it as well, because I, I wasn't expecting it. So then it was a really um, unexpected surprise when I started to see the kids connecting with each other. Um, I have students in my classroom that are, um, or not, I'm not saying this year, but when I started, like 
um, there are students and any kindergarten student needs work on social emotional skills, but um, students high functioning autism that their main focus is social skills. Um, so I saw those connections where kids were agreeing respectfully, disagreeing respectfully, um, taking turns and and saying, oh, no, I think this might be it. And they just were making so many powerful connections with each other that I was like, this is really cool to see. And then I did that for probably about two years in the classroom. I joined the innovation team at my school because I felt it was so powerful to get this sort of stuff out there because not a lot of teachers at the time were doing that. Um, and I just wanted to share what was happening in my room and um, with the students. So I did that. And then um, Betsy Sheehan, who is another author through Edumatch, um, who I work with at my school as well. So I'm really fortunate. Mm -hmm. She's a friend, a colleague, another author. Um, I was talking to her and I said, I've always had a dream. I made a bucket list when I was probably 20 um, of all the things I wanted to do in my life. And it was just everything typed out. I still have it to this day. And one of them was writing a children's book. And so I said, I really, really want to write a children's book. And she's like, you should do it. And, you know, she she was also in the works of her writing as well. So we always connect on that level. And hearing someone else say, like, you should do it. I was like, okay, I should do it. Um, so I just started tweaking away. The story started off completely different. Um, it was always going to be about coding and kindness, but it was very different. And then um, I really want girls to also have a place in STEM and coding. And I think that that has changed over the years and I think it's getting better. But I think still, like when you look at most elementary school coding programs that are after school, it's majority boys. And so I really want um, girls to feel comfortable and have a place and start at a young age, start at kindergarten learning these skills. Because I found in my district anyways, there was a lot of things for third grade and up for coding. But then when it came to the younger ones, they didn't have anything. Well, why not build those foundational skills? And then when they go in in third grade, they're that much better off and they're not starting everything all at once with coding. So um, I then put the book together and um, I found Jen, who was awesome. I'm so happy we connected because I am, you know, I can write and I can do many other things, but one thing I can't do is get what's in my head on paper um, with my artistic skills. So I envisioned everything that's from here and got it on paper beautifully. And um, she just made the book so amazing with her illustrations. So that's kind of how it all came about. <laughs> no, but, you know, and that's so wonderful that you it's your own experience. This is what you saw. You wrote about it and it inspired you. And, you know, the, the story that you're telling is very similar in many ways to my story while I was in the classroom. And really, you know, going to a conference once and hearing the word coding turn, you know, just being thrown around like it was the next big thing, buzzword and everything. So I came in. And I said, okay, you know, I was the only teacher that would check out the big, we had a big old computer on wheels cart that was just huge. I mean, it, it was really almost the size of a like calf. And um, so we bring it in and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to go ahead and let's, let's try this. So my students started working on these devices, typing, and then we started getting into coding. And at that time I was following uh, Brian, also Brian Aspinall a lot. And so 
I just started with the coding. Then I moved to fifth grade, brought that in, and then slowly started, okay, I'm going to open up the code club this year to fourth grade. Uh, now I'm going to open it up to third grade. So I was kind of starting to build that foundation there. And, you know, it, it was just amazing to see students come in after school and then they're like, no, we don't want to go home yet. We don't want to go home yet. They would stay there a little longer. And at the time I didn't really have, you know, family life or anything outside of school. So I was like, Hey, don't worry. I can stay here till five if you want or whatever. But the excitement that they just didn't want to leave because they wanted to debug and they wanted to make sure the coding, the code was right. And then of course we, we had an equal number, which, which is one thing that I loved that you mentioned, it's so important to help, uh, you know, women in STEM to, to really include the young ladies in K through 12 and really just start from the very littles K through six, building those fine foundations where, you know, towards the end, before I moved to a different position, um, the code club was really almost half and half, you know, as far as boys and girls. And the then we would do it in, during class, too, as well. I would embed it into our curriculum. And so it was so, so much fun. And I'm so glad that, you know, you're, you went along with it because I know it could be scary when you're like, well, I don't know exactly what to do yet, but we're going to figure it out together. And to me, that was one of the best things that I loved when students were like, well, no, Mr. Mendoza, hold on, let me figure this out. No, this is the way you would do it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So then I would have them share with everybody. But of course, by the end of the day, I looked like the expert already because I was able to learn from them. But I always told them, I was like, you guys are the ones that made me look good. So but that's wonderful. Yeah. And I love to hear those reactions. Like you said, you know, the students just, you know, building that community, communicating with one another. That is so, so important. Absolutely. I also created the book to help other teachers because I know what it was like at the beginning um, where I did read articles and things like that. And, I, you know, I connected on Twitter with other educators, but not every educator has a Twitter account or, or whatever. But it, I wanted a book that would be able to, a teacher could pick it up and start there, you know, start with coding small, but also build community, build kindness in the classroom. So there's so many different lessons intertwined. And I just wanted something easy that like, I kind of wish I had when I started. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm hopeful that the book has helped many teachers and will continue to help many teachers. Oh, I'm sure it will. Like you said, I love what you said. It's just kind of like a, a beginner's guide. Here's kind of like your, you know, little steps and then just to help them build up their confidence and build up their interests. And like you said now, even with programs that now, especially, you know, such as Donors Choose and other, uh, you know, crowdfunding sources. I mean, it's, it's become a little bit easier for teachers to be able to get some of these, you know, uh, platforms, you know, or like Makey Makey Kids, STEM Kids, you know, and things of that sort, Ozobots. I mean, there's so much that is out there for all different types of grade levels and different types of activities and so on. So that is huge. So you talked about right now social media. And so my question is always to, you know, some of our guests like yourself who is out there and you're pretty active on social media as well. You know, what are some of the things that, you know, the opportunities, obviously, you know, your book is out there, but aside from the book, what other opportunities have come up, you know, in relation to the book and in relation to your practice in the classroom by putting yourself out there on social media? I've had a lot of opportunities, which has been so great because, I mean, it's amazing to connect 
it's so powerful, but um, that's what's happening within your school, which is awesome. But sometimes it's really cool to have a perspective from different parts of everywhere in the world. Um, so I've connected so with so many people. Um, I've had the opportunity like today um, to be on a video podcast. I've done a few podcasts. Um, I've done um, Twitter chats before. Um, I was able to be a part of the Heart of STEM, Carly and Adams Heart of STEM um, Summit, which was back in June. And that was really cool. Um, so I've just been able to connect with really kind, awesome people, um, but also learn so many things because um, I just wouldn't be the teacher I am today if I hadn't um, joined Twitter and learned from others and even Instagram, like seeing all the, the activities that are in a classroom. And it, it not only helps me keep going, but it, it sparks like a little you know, it ignites a little flame that sometimes, you know, every educator once in a while, it's like, oh, okay, it's, it's flickering. <laughs> we need a little spark here. So um, I think it's really cool to stay connected with other educators and just um, continue to grow and then share what I know every once in a while. <laughs> no, and I think that that's wonderful that you said, you know, I've always loved the opportunities to be able to share but the opportunities that I get from sharing are also, like you said, during conferences where you get to learn things too as well. And I think that's always something important. You know, it's like they say, iron sharpens iron. So you're looking, you're helping sharpen somebody. Like you said, you're fanning that flame. You're maybe possibly, you might be the person that's just igniting that spark for the first time while others are continually just fanning that flame and, you know, keeping that flame going so the teachers can continue, educators can continue moving forward. So I think like in, in a way we're all connected and, and, and we all serve our educator community, creator community in different aspects where you can be the, the igniter, the other one can be the one who continues fanning that flame. And then after that, you know, you've got other people that just continue to sharpen those skills. And I think that those are wonderful opportunities that I have seen and I've been lucky to participate too as well. Like you have, you know, because of the connections you make through Twitter. And one of my favorite things is number one, connecting with guests such as like, such as yourself that I see like, wow, like this is great. And then I'm one of those that, hey, I'm going to go straight to the source. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go straight to the author. I'm going to have them on because, because for me, this is my one hour of PD that I get on Saturday mornings. But I know that others are definitely going to take so many knowledge nuggets from this conversation today as well. And so I agree that it's very important that we are connected educators. All right. So let me ask you something too as well. You know, what are some currently, you know, going back to, you know, teaching and, you know, everyone around the nation, we are, you know, different ways of doing schooling right now and so on. But what are some of the challenges, if you don't mind sharing, just, you know, from my perspective, you know, I, I'm here in Texas, things are very different, California, everywhere, it's different. But what are some of the challenges that you're seeing right now currently, maybe within either your district setting, or maybe just within your classroom, as far as, you know, what used to be done, or the the practice prior to COVID. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I look through my desk and I have past pictures from even three years ago, and <laughs> I start to cry um, yeah. because 
part of kindergarten is just collaboration and and connecting with each other and being close. Like they just they're they just all want to be close to each other, and um, they all want to connect and um, like centers. I miss centers. Um, we sort of have them, but we have desks in rows, so it gets a little tricky. Um, and then we also just so much magic happened on our classroom rug and um, just connecting every day in a circle at the beginning of the day and then also teaching. That's where I taught most of my coding is I would do it on the rug and we do it for a while. We feel confident in it. And then they go off into centers and do different centers with coding independently. And it's just hard to do that now. So it's it's not doesn't mean that it can't happen. It just needs to be a shift in what I think it should look like. Um, but I know it's not ideal. I know, um, you know, kindergartners are movers and they need to move their bodies a lot. So we're doing tons of brain breaks during the day and getting outside as much as we can to be sitting in desks. So um, I have to remind myself that they only know what they know. And they don't know the perspective that I know. So I just keep telling myself, like, they're happy. They're excited to come into school. Like, they're wearing their backpacks proud coming through our classroom. So I just need to remind myself of that because I know that's not what ideally I'd want kindergarten to look like. Um, but I hope for normalcy one day. Um, and I hope we just start, you know, even slowly, like if we got back our rug and maybe started to move the desks into more collaborative type centers or something, that would be great. But in time, um, but it's definitely been a challenge. Um, it definitely shifted majority of the way that I teach. Um, and, you know, I understand why masks need to happen. Um, I'm certainly not against them, but I, it is difficult because children need for speech. Um, they're learning proper, you know, the way to move their mouth, their tongue, their lips. You know, sounds aren't just coming from us. They're coming from us, from our whole face. And so um, it's really difficult. And also just the social emotional aspect of it. I teach them that you can tell if you're smiling for, with your eyes mm -hmm. and you can tell if you're frowning with your eyes. So we had a bunch of different lessons this year. Like you can really see how a friend feels through their eyes. Um, so we're just trying to compensate and make the best of it, but it's definitely tricky. Yeah, it can be. And especially just the way that you're describing it, it definitely can be very tricky and it's difficult, but, and like you said, you know, we look back at those times and those pictures and things of that sort. And even I, myself, I'm like, wow, like, I, how did you go from this to this? And, and it's, it, it just happened. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, wow, wow. All right. So Valerie, let's talk a little bit. I'll just continuing along here along our track in, in education, but through your experience, not just in this past year, um, but you know, through your teaching experience, what would you say has been your edu kryptonite? Hmm. Um, I would say over the years, the hardest thing is the balance, the, the balancing life with everything. And it gets me. <laughs> it gets me good sometimes where it's just hard to um, figure it all out and and give everyone the attention that they need, whether it's at home or at school. And, and so sometimes I'm doing really well. And then other times, 
you know, that kryptonite definitely gets me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, it's tough. And like you said, I think uh, right now, I think uh, one of my great friends, uh, Jill, she posted something on Twitter last night and she just looked tired. She was exhausted. She's like, hey, how many of you feel tired or exhausted? I was like, I feel June 2022 tired already. And, you know, and I know that a lot of teachers, you know, it's just uh, they're just tired right now and just haven't had to push through and start a new year. Of course, new things. They're constantly, you know, getting meetings and, you know, you have to keep up with the changes in, you know, okay, this is what we need to do. Procedural changes and everything, which is all great and so on. But I mean, on top of all of that, what they're doing in the classroom and then, of course, you have your personal life, you know, you've got your family that you're taking care of too as well. And the, all of that sets in. So I know it's really tough out there currently. And, you know, as administrators, I know that we need to be a little bit better at seeing what we can take off the plate. And maybe if there's something new that's coming in, okay, well, if we're going to give something, what can we take away that maybe we don't need to worry about that we could just say, hey, you know what, it's okay, we'll take this thing and these two away, but, but, you know, and just kind of go with that. That way you're just not overwhelming and you're in this together and you're communicating because, you know, I think it's just uh, oftentimes things are getting just piled on and on and on and on. And for teachers, it's very difficult to do that and finding that balance. So yeah, definitely important work-life balance, setting boundaries, very important too as well, you know, and, and I, like I always say exhaustion does not equal productivity. Don't wear your exhaustion on your sleeve like a badge of honor. <laughs> That's not the way it works. I'm getting much, much better with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's difficult. It's very difficult. All right. So now what, you know, going on with these type of questions, it's like, uh, you know, maybe right now I just answered the question or maybe you might have something different. But what is it that you're seeing right now in education that might be a little counterproductive, not necessarily in your school, but maybe in the state of education? And maybe what would be an idea or suggestion to possibly fix that? Um, I think that there's, I think that there's a value in assessments. I certainly, I want to assess my kids. There is a hundred percent value in it. I just struggle when there isn't a value and there isn't it doesn't lead to me being a better teacher or to understanding the child better. So um, I certainly think they have their place. And, um, but I do struggle sometimes where I'm like, this is a waste of time. I'd rather be connecting with a student. I'd rather be teaching the student. I, you know, so I think a lot of people probably feel similar to what I feel, you know, I definitely want those benchmark assessments, see where they're at coming in. I want to, you know, progress monitor throughout the year um, and do those things. But sometimes some of them, I feel like we do it just to do it, but it's not really adding any value to our classroom. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> one of those things, you know, I've always been one of those as far as uh, standardized testing. I was like, you, you know, we've got multimodal learners, but you're giving them a unimodal test. I don't know why. It's never made sense to me, you know, giving standardized tests when you have such different styles of learning. And in the real world, once you get into college or you're even in the real world, I mean, I have seen where many adults, even my age, 
um, they'll get a, and I use this example, there's a, a doctoral class that I just took recently last semester and the professor was great. I was like, man, this is awesome. She, she said like, oh, you guys get a choice board. The, you should have seen the look on some of those, uh, my peer, like I, we're in Zoom and you just saw these eyes kind of go like, they weren't sure. They're like, what do you mean? And she was explaining, oh, you can either come to all my lectures, you can come to some and go do some hours of this conference. You can do the whole conference. Uh, you can read a book. Um, you can watch a movie. And of course me, I asked, is like, hey, can I do a podcast? She's like, yeah, go ahead. You can go ahead and do a podcast, you know, no big deal because she's giving us a choice board and she's giving us free reign on, on how to, you know, turn in our assignments. And there were so many questions and, and people were just like, what do you mean? Like I get a choice. It, they just couldn't process. And I know that, you know, in my growing up, it was all standardized tests for me. And so it took me a while where it was like, Hey, no, you need to tell me how to do this because that's the way that I've been trained up. It just seems like real industrial like training where, you know, Micah Shippey was on here said, you know, have you thought about this, you know, real industrialized practice where you come into work at eight, you're out by three, a bell rings to tell you when you go to lunch, a bell rings when you go home, you're all in rows and you're just pretty much learning the same skills where they're just kind of, you know, I was like, wow, I never saw it that way. So yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes, you know, you can assess things differently. It doesn't necessarily have to be A, B, C, D, E, but I'm always for learning artifacts. As long as there's a nice rubric and the student shows that they've mastered the learning or the concept, I mean, that that should be good. <laughs> but, but that's just me. All right. So, Valerie, like, so within, of course, work-life balance, you know, mom, teacher, author, and then of course, you know, presenter, they, I'm sure you get asked to go do conferences, like you mentioned before. What are some ways that you yourself that might possibly help some of our teachers, listeners, audience members, creators, whomever it may be, what are some ways that maybe you kind of just kind of get out of your own head a little bit and just, you know, relax, <laughs> you know, what are some things that you like to do for fun? Well, okay. For, for fun. I mean, I love just, I love being with my family and, um, taking my dog for walks, <laughs> um, and reading and going on hikes. Um, so I really try and focus on the time that we have as a family, as a time we have on a, as a family, but I didn't always do that as much before. I think I'm, I just have set those boundaries better. So I'm not the best person to ask this question, to be <laughs> honest. Um, but I certainly have set more boundaries over the years. I feel like one thing from COVID, um, from this whole experience of the last two or three years, um, is just that life is short and you need to um, do what makes you happy. And I got one silver lining of the whole thing was that I, did, I was home a lot more with my family when... Um, I saw a different perspective in my life that I'd never lived through before of being home with my kids and also helping them learn and connecting them to their teachers through Zoom and everything. It was just a really eye-opening experience that made me realize like we need to all, everyone needs to just slow down a little bit. So I think slowing down and saying no, <laughs> you know, when, when, when you don't want to do something, when it doesn't feel right, or when you're just not in the right frame of mind to do it, 
say no. <laughs> um, I said yes so many times when I should have said no. Um, so I think that's really important is just holding, holding your ground and knowing when you can do something and when it's too much. There you go. I think that's great advice. And you're not, you know, you're not the first guest that has said that and mentioned that, you know, oftentimes we're like, yes, yes, men, yes, women, and yes, yes, yes. And, you know, there comes a time where, you know, you're giving too much, but you're not getting anything back, you know, as far as either, you know, just recognition that you did something, just even if it's a pat on the back acknowledgement, but, you know, people that are takers, sometimes they have no boundaries and they'll just take, 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 and, we get drained. <laughs> so I completely, completely agree with you on that. All right. So Valerie, as we start wrapping up, I just wanted to ask you here. I always ask these last two questions. Um, if you can have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Hmm. Um, let's see. I mean, honestly, probably just like a big, collage of all the things that I love of like my family and um, my students and I'm a big picture person um, I love looking back and seeing pictures um, you know my husband always laughs because he's like you take so many pictures but then we'll sit there for an hour looking back at our children when they were you know three years old or a baby or whatever. He's like, Oh, I forgot all about this. I'm like, yes, this is why I take pictures. So it's really cool to take pictures in the classroom and see their growth throughout the year. It's cool personally as well. So I'd say sort of like a picture collage. I've always been into that. Even when I was a kid, I made a lot of collages and stuff like that. Just things that I love, but no one else probably cares about that billboard. Just me. <laughs> hey, but it's okay because it's your <laughs> billboard. It's what you get yeah. to see. No, but you get, it's your billboard, but you get to share it, you know? So it's great yeah. because it tells us a little bit about you. And through those pictures, we can say like, hey, that's awesome. That's Valerie Sousa right there. That in that collage and that billboard, that's her. So that's great. I love it. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. It's very different. Usually somebody, you know, they, all the guests usually have like a quote or something, but this is neat. You're the first to say a nice picture collage that represents who you are. That's wonderful. Well, a picture says a thousand words, so I don't need a quote. <laughs> ah, love that. Great, great. I love it, Valerie. And Valerie, last question. If you and I were to switch roles and this was your show, what would be one question you'd like to ask me? Um, how you got started with the podcast and, and what inspired you to do that. Okay. All right. So this started on April 10th of 2020. So we were just pretty much had been shut down, you know? Um, so then I said, you know what, there needs to be, you know, bringing in either subject matter experts, educators to come in, share what they're doing currently, you know, to help others, you know, around because nobody knew what was happening. Nobody had ever taught, well, had the uh, experience of teaching online where you just had to flip the switch and from one day to the next, just translate everything over to online learning. So that's kind of where it started and where it ended up was, you know, there's already people that are doing that. There's already people that are doing free stuff and conferences and showing you how to do, you know, resources and or create uh, lessons and so on. But then I just became more interested in hearing people's stories 
you know, just genuinely, like, how are you doing? What are you going through? What are some things that you're seeing in your practice? And really just having genuine, authentic conversations. And then it turned, uh, you know, a couple of shows back, maybe, I don't know, 30 shows back or something. It just kind of just started being that way where I'm deeply, I deeply want to know more about my guests and that I see the great things that they're doing on social media, but I want to know their story. Like, you know, what sparked you to go into education? I learned something new from you today and seeing things through that lens. And I'm like, wow, that makes so much sense. Hearing your progression, seeing your growth. And so I benefit from that because I see things from a different lens and I'm hoping that our audience members and, you know, people that are watching live or listen to the podcast again, can listen to these stories and get that either flame ignited, continue to get that fan flamed, or just continue to get sharpened by what is shared here today. So that's really my passion and my love of doing this Saturday mornings there. This is my favorite day of the week that I, well, Sunday's my favorite too, because I know we go to church and everything, but but Saturday mornings, I get so excited because this is my PD <laughs> that I get. So, but yeah, that's, really cool. yeah, that's why I do what I do. And it just really excites me to make connections with other people that are passionate like yourself, that are moms, you know, sharing your experiences with other educator moms that may be watching this, you know, a kindergarten teacher that can, you know, definitely you shared a lot of knowledge nuggets today through your experience that can help others here today. So yeah, that's what really excites me about doing what I do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that question. And maybe who knows, maybe we'll later, later see a, a Valerie Sousa live podcast someday. I don't know. I don't know if we want to add more to what you are already doing, but why not maybe put it on that list and maybe later on, you know, you already wrote that's a book. Funny. Let's see what's next on that list. Well, I'm curious now, what would be next on that list if if you would mind sharing or maybe are already kind of in the works on doing something on that? Um, well, I've always thought about adding another book, um, like an extension of Coding to Kindness. I've sketched up like ideas, but I never, it's, I'm going to be honest that the last um, like year and a half, I just, it's been hard. It's been, I've, I've lost a little bit of the creative spark in me. Um, I think because there's been so many changes within our jobs, um, there's been different demands for my own personal kids that I've just sort of like, and I'm also, what excites me is doing it in the classroom and doing it the like doing coding on the rug and, and all those things I don't currently have right now. So I think once I get that back and, and feel you know, and we do coding in the classroom, but it's it's just not the same. Um, so I feel like once I get all that back, I'm totally going to get my groove back and feel um, much more inspired with trying to um, put out more creative things. But right now I'm kind of at a little, <laughs> which another thing for educators, it's okay to be like yes. this sometimes. Um, I think it needs to be normalized that it's all right. It's just not my season right now. Um, but that's okay. I've got other good things happening in my season right now. And, um, I definitely have thought about it. I want to possibly do it. I just have not put anything to fruition quite yet. Mm -hmm. No, but that's wonderful, yeah. Valerie. And I think even with all of this, you know, that you said it's 
sometimes it's just not our season yet. And, you know, we just, that season will come and that season of change and everything. So I love it. I love how genuine and honest you are in, in sharing that. So that really, that really resonates with me right now. I'm going to definitely keep that like, yeah, you know, sometimes it's just not quite that season yet, but it's all good. Well, Valerie, yeah. go ahead and share to here up on the stream where people can go ahead and let me remove this banner here where people can go ahead and visit your website here. And it is at ValerieSousaAuthor.com. And here I see, you know, she does, you have some great blogs here also as well. You've got coding activities. And of course, you've got your coding to kindness. Is this where people can go ahead and go also and uh, find your book if they'd like to purchase it? Um, you can purchase it through there. There's a link to Edumatch Publishing, but it's also available on Amazon as well. So you could just go to Amazon and um, click Coding to Kindness and you can get it there. You can also get it at Barnes and Noble. Um, same thing. You just go to their website and get it there. And it's also available at Target too. So Ooh, um, there's quite a few options. Yeah. That is wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Valerie. I have been sharing your Twitter handle also. And of course, that'll also go on the guest uh, guest form, guys. So when you go to the website, mayatech.life, and then you click on viewing this episode or listening to this episode, you will go ahead and find Valerie's information there with the contact links. And, you know, Valerie has just been great being able to chat with you. And again, so thankful for, uh, for Jen to be able to, that when she was on, she was working on this project. And then I have definitely followed you through social media and see the great things that you're doing and, you know, what this book has done and hopefully also see what this book will continue to do for many educators in the future. And when the season is right, we'll definitely be waiting for the extension of this, as I know it'll be just as great as this book that you have out right now. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Valerie. I really appreciate it. And to all our audience members, all our listeners, thank you so much again, as usual, for making my EdTech life what it is today. And we would just appreciate it if you go to our website, myedtech.life, give us some, give us a review, you know, drop us a line, give us a comment, anything that we can do for you to improve. I am always open for that. As always, my motto is I want to give you the best of me and I want to do what is best for you in providing engaging content that will spark the flame, fan the flame, or sharpen your skills through the through what the stories that our audience, or excuse me, through the stories that our guests and creators share with you. So thank you so much for everything, guys. And please don't forget, till next time, stay techie, my friends. Thank you so much. <laughs>